Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. This is the Improv Chronicle podcast. I'm Lloydie. It's Tuesday, 8th September, 2020. As a form, the Herald is lauded by some and treated, well, less reverentially by others. There's no doubting, though, that it's had a huge impact on improv. But all these years since it was first invented, how relevant and how watchable is it now? Like many things, a lot of this debate can be put down to do whatever works for you and your team. But the debate around the Herald as a performance piece and training tool raises some interesting points. So let's go back to the beginning of the creation of the form for a little slice of history. I'm Howard Johnson, uh, Kim Howard Johnson. Uh, I'm the co-author of Truth and Comedy. I'm an improv dinosaur. I go way back to the first days of the Improv Olympic. Uh, a Monty Python colleague and uh, founder of thecomedylab.net which is a TV writing program that's just launched online earlier this year. So how did the Herald come about? At the uh, Improv Olympic, as it was known then, uh, Dellen Sharna had just started it. And I came along, uh, and a few months after I'd started working with the group, with, uh, with the class and with Dellen Sharna, uh, there was some talk about doing classes, or doing shows, rather, out of the classes. Uh, Del and Sharna had experimented a little bit. See, Sharna had worked with David Shepard. Uh, David Shepard was not very interested in doing shows. He was not very interested. He's not very theatrical. Uh, he was he was of the Compass Players, correct? Is that right? Absolutely was. David Shepard went all the way back to the very beginning. His main con- interest was more as a social experiment. Uh, you know, if you get a group of rabbis together and just put them on stage and just improvise together, what would they come up with? A group of cops, if you put a bunch of policemen together on stage, what would they come up with? And Sharna did the same sort of things with when she was working with David Shepard. It didn't turn out terribly well. They kind of went their separate ways by mutual agreement. That's when Dell came along. Del, uh, Sharna had met Dell. She'd taken some workshops with him before. And uh, they started working together on improv. Uh, they didn't know exactly what they wanted to do. Um, when I first started with Dell and Sharna, uh, 
they weren't talking about performing quite yet. Um, we were doing, you know, the usual exercises. Dell was, you know, we were doing scenes with Dell. Um, then we got into something called slow comedy. Uh, it was something that Dell was particularly interested in. But uh, slow comedy would involve giving not your first immediate knee-jerk response to a statement, not your second, but waiting for your third. So it would take about, you know, 30 seconds for to comment or to respond to someone's comment. Uh, and you came up with some really interesting stuff. Dell and Charnett sat down and just tried to figure out how can we make this thing as bulletproof as possible? How can we make this stuff that had previously been a big gamble? Because that was the problem with long form improv. When it worked, it was brilliant. But when it didn't, it just died. So they wanted to come up with a way to make long form improv into a performance piece that would be acceptable you know, to audiences so that there would be at least a minimum standard of quality. And the way they did that was Sharna took uh, the whole time dash game, which was an old Viola Spolin game. Uh, it was basically, and as you guys, I'm sure know, it was an interwo- interwoven series of uh, three scenes that would just kind of jump through time uh, and it would make three stops. So you would have scene 1A, 2A, 3A, then you would have a game. Then you would have uh, 2B, 2C, or 2B, uh, 2C. Well, you get the idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, it was a classic time dash game. Uh, and Dell would, or rather Sharna, would come up with all of these games. That's what Sharna did. She taught the her students, her very beginning students, games. Um, and we would plug those in to kind of like the act breaks, if you will. Um, so that's how that was set up. And Dell would focus on the scene work with us. And that was great because there was no better person you could have working on the scene work than, uh, than Dell. It really seemed to click right off the bat. Um, I don't remember any, anything really terrible. Fast forward to 2020 and a new improv theatre is being set up in Milwaukee. I'm Michelle Gilliam. I'm based in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and um, I started doing improv a little over 23 years ago uh, right here in Milwaukee. And um, I absolutely love it. I just started my own theater here, uh, but I've also had the pleasure of being immersed in the Chicago scene as well as the Boston scene and um, have performed in New York and and uh, hung out there quite a bit as well. So with starting a theater and with your breadth of experience, um, what has been your approach to using Harold? Um, so I... Being in Milwaukee, we're kind of the short form capital of the world is what I call it because comedy sports has been here for almost 40 years. Um, So I haven't broached the Herald quite yet uh, just because my town is so young as far as long form improv is concerned um, that I have to look at how it's actually going to be approached. Given that you are starting up, do you think it is... Do you think it's still a relevant form? I do think um, that it is still a relevant form. Um, I think that the Herald is sort of like a nerdy um, (laughs) form that most people should learn. (laughs) Um, But I mean, I don't think everybody has to like 
get good at it or, um, and, and even if someone doesn't learn it, uh, I don't think it's a huge deal, but I think that to be taken seriously, like if someone from my Milwaukee community moves out to LA, let's say, uh, when things are safe to do so again, I would want them to have, you know, those skills and abilities to have under their belt, but also be just as comfortable doing short form or all form or anything. I don't, I don't, is it relevant still? Maybe not as much as it has been, but I do think it's still relevant. Alex Keane runs the Sheffield Improv Jam in Yorkshire, UK, as well as coaching strike comedy in Sheffield and teaching workshops and drop-ins. He feels improv has moved on a lot since Harold came into being, and as a result, its relevance has diminished. I think at the time when the Harold was being created, a lot of the concepts that uh, that group were striving towards were kind of unknown in improv, this, this push towards more kind of emotionally connected scenes and exploring themes more than, you know, simply putting on something that was there to to have a laugh. And the Herald was around at that time and became the format that where, where all of these things were manifest. Um, and that was a hugely important moment in improv history. But I think it's, it's presence in so many, um, so many different courses and, and on so many different stages in in the modern age is more of an artifact of that than because it is is the perfect ideal form for improv how how would you replace it then Ooh, i don't know that it needs to be replaced necessarily um i think for me there's with, with the herald comes this the, the purpose of it is this this striving towards having these three seemingly disparate storylines or, or or scenes that that sort of merge either narratively or on a common theme, and that when done well is really impressive. But I don't think it's necessarily the only way to achieve those goals of having you know emotionally connected scenes and and, and engaging storylines that deal with thematic topics. Is there something to be said? for the skills you learn in Harold, you know, callbacks and and what have you, and the complexity of the format being a good training tool for people who do want to go on and do, say, a freeform montage? I think I think they're definitely useful skills to work on, but I don't know that the Harold is necessarily the best way of teaching to make callbacks. I mean, if you want to teach someone to make callbacks, why does that have to happen within a framework of, well, you're going to have you know, you're going to definitely come back to this scene in in your second beat and then the next scene following that in the second beat. Why don't we just teach, well, you're going to do, here's an exercise. You're going to do three scenes, one after the other, and they're going to be in, unconnected. But in the third scene, you know, I want you to reference something that happened in the first scene. If you want to train callbacks as a specific, you know, comedic device, you can teach that independently of a much broader structure that comes with its own huge set of baggage. But Michelle feels there's a lot to be gained from learning and performing a Herald. Um, I remember when I was on uh, one of my first Herald teams in Boston, uh, just learning, you know, what it took for me to remember the beats and uh, be able to do callbacks and be able to, you know, flush things out in second and third beats was huge. 
um, after having performed so, you know, all the first beats and everything in the, um, in the group game. So I think that it, it helps with memory. Um, I think it helps with, you know, if you're on a team for quite some time, I think it helps with, you know, the camaraderie and the chemistry um, of your teammates. Um, I do think other things, of course, can do that as well. Uh, but I think I think it, it can it can help with a lot. And also, like I said, it's unfortunately kind of like a snobby or a, a nerdier thing. Uh, but I think that when you do kind of know the Herald, there's like, oh, there's that whole lo- like level of in our industry. But that is kind of going away, which is really cool, too. So what about people who have just never performed a Herald before? I spoke to a member of a successful team in Bangalore who've never performed a single Harold. Hi, I'm Aarti and I'm part of Improv Comedy Bangalore and The Adamant Eves and I've been improvising since 2016. The Adamant Eves were part of Improv Comedy Bangalore. So we were so we were first part of Improv Comedy Bangalore and uh, we we when we joined Improv Comedy Bangalore, um we realized that there were equal number of men and women in the ensemble. Um, And that's when uh, Madhu and a couple of other improvisers uh, realized that we could create an all women improv ensemble, which would be the first in India and which would be uh, amazing (laughs) to have one. So in 2017, June or July of 2017, we met up uh, and we decided to form uh, this ensemble troop and this was just going to be an experiment of sorts in my head at least and I thought hmm, we are all women and we love improv and we do improv and let's see how everyone else responds to an all women improv ensemble especially with the stereotypes that at least in India that go around is that um, it, women are not funny and a lot of jokes are at women's expense so how would an audience like that react to an all women improv ensemble that do like comedy theater storytelling all of that and and what's the reaction been like it's been fantastic so when in 2017 we were like we'll do one show in six months and there was a huge prep work to it as if we were like holding a festival and then (laughs) now the animantees are just like okay let's do a show next week or let's do something next you know uh, the week after that so is there a reason why you've never done a herald or opted for other forms instead of um, so it also goes back to how we got into improv and I can speak about at least the Adamant Eves, the all women improv ensemble I'm part of. So all the learning that we've gotten uh, is through instructors and teachers who have come and visited us or uh, if we have gone out somewhere and learned something, we would do like an information decimation with our uh, group. Um, so in all of this experience, we never had a teacher who um, delved deeply into the Herald. So we never really got to learn the Herald in that depth. So we never performed the Herald. But we had teachers who taught us things like the Armando, the cutting room, just open scenes, uh, montages, etc. So we've been lucky that way that we've learned all those other forms as well. 
sometimes I feel that we've missed out a little because we are we love the Armando so much and storytelling so much that we that's become like the uh, like the, our go-to format whenever we perform because we love storytelling and we know that we'll you know we'll do good when we do the Armando uh, but at the same time um I also feel that uh, there are so many other forms and formats that uh, I haven't explored or at the Adamantese as, as an ensemble hasn't explored. Um, and it's just that one push and nudge or someone uh, telling us exactly how it goes or someone just popping that question, hey, why don't we do this or that? Um, so yeah, even though I love all the other art, for all the performances that we have done, all the formats that we have done, I still feel that we can try other formats as well. For Michelle, Harold is now part of a wide range of forms that people can learn and learn from. I think that there was a time, you know, when it was obviously more relevant. Um, <clears throat> I think that now the our landscape is expanding and it's, it's expanding even more with online, um, which is pretty neat. And I don't think we're beholden to this, this standard that we used to be beholden to as improv nerds. I think that a lot of different styles are being respected and yeah, you don't have to know what that is or, or do it in order to uh, love improv, be passionate about it and, and want to perform it. And um, yeah, I like, I kind of like that it's going away from that because I definitely don't come from a traditional background of improv, you know, started in Milwaukee with just short form and then went to college in Chicago and um, and then, uh, moved to Boston a little bit, uh, you know, later on and, uh, just all different types and, and focuses. Um, yeah, I don't think we're as bold into it as we were once were. As a form, one of the criticisms of Harold's, certainly ones that don't work at least, is that they're not very easy for non-improvisers to understand. Here's Alex again. Um, there's a piece of music, uh, Classical Gas, which was like a very minor hit in the 1970s, but it's uh -huh. become incredibly popular with um, classical guitar players because playing it on the guitar, it jumps through so many different styles and so many different um, kind of, uh, you know, keys and um, different, different kind of elements of music that it's this huge challenge to play it. Um, but it's only really popular among guitarists. And if you hear it without having the context of it, it can almost sound, some performance of it sound like just this big jumble of stuff coming at you. And I kind of feel like the Harold is a bit like the improviser's version of classical gas. You know, it's this thing that's incredibly fun to, fun to do and show off your technical prowess. Um, but you wouldn't necessarily want to bust it out at a karaoke night or something. But for Howard, when it comes to watching Harold's, as with most forms, I suspect, it's all down to the skill of the performers. I think a Herald is as good and as worthwhile and as valid as the people that are performing it. Uh, and I think you could say that about most people. Um, I'll bet if you saw, you know, brought back from the grave, John Belushi and Harold Ramis and people like that to perform a Herald, I'll bet it'd be a pretty good Herald. And I, I bet a lot of people would, you know, really enjoy that and get something out of it. Uh, if, you know, it's people that aren't terribly inspired by the form uh, and are just doing, going through the motions, yeah, it's probably not going to be anything you're going to want to sit through. 
So I think it, it's totally dependent on the people that are doing the Herald. You'll be able to see shows, take classes with, and find out more about our participants in this episode by following the links in the episode show notes. Next time on the Improv Chronicle podcast. Accents and impressions. Some people can do them, and some of us struggle rather a lot. How useful are accents and impressions when it comes to improvising on stage? How can we use them respectfully? And what on earth can we do when most people can't tell our French accent from our Australian? The Improv Chronicle podcast is produced and hosted by me, Lloydie James Lloyd. You can help the podcast right now. Please subscribe and rate us in your favourite podcast app. And if you have an idea for a potential episode, go to improvchronicle.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.